Ever feel like you need an undercover contractor to help you with your home renovation project and the team you're working with? Well, I've got them here today. Join me with Matt DeBara, and we are going to lift the curtain on all things building. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving. In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home and how to survive the move and thrive in your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. So today I have with me Matt DeBara, and he is a fourth-generation mason. He mixed his first bag of concrete at age nine. From there, he went on and branched out to attend UMass Amherst, where he earned a degree in construction management and environmental design. After graduating, Matt took over his family's construction business, and he relocated to Los Angeles, where he went on to be mentored by the likes of marketing guru Jay Abraham and other famous business people. Since then, he's built up Debarra Masonry to become the leading masonry and concrete company in the county. He works on some of the most prestigious and well-known celebrity homes in the city, in addition to restoring a number of Hollywood's most famous cultural landmarks. Matt's true passion, however, rests in educating homeowners by teaching his confident homeowner system, empowering them with in-depth industry insight, much of which can be found in his upcoming book, the Undercover Contractor. So welcome, Matt, today, and we are going to talk about all things renovation, and you want someone like Matt on your side. So here we go. Hi, Matt. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. I'm really excited to have you here. I am genuinely excited as well. I'm so glad. So let's start off and give the audience just a brief overview of what you do, and then we're going to get into it. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm the fourth generation and current owner of Debarra Masonry here in Los Angeles. And my time's really been spent running a legacy family business and then helping homeowners, you know, helping them navigate the the process. I mean, we kind of always have been a company and, and myself in particular within the company, a resource for homeowners outside of just what we physically do. And that was mm-hmm. really the the birth of the undercover contractor was just helping homeowners navigate, you know, the process of what do I do if this happens or that, you know, issue comes up. Yeah. Yeah. Because issues come up for sure. So yeah, we're going to get into some of these things. What I really like about having you on the podcast today and, you know, you and I have spoke prior is, you know, I'm sort of calling this podcast too, like we're kind of lifting the curtain as far as understanding the contractor's point of view and some things that, in essence, really help the homeowner. So it's a great, insightful conversation, I think, that we're about to have, which I think is great for the audience. Let's start with, you are called the undercover contractor and why that is. Yeah. So it kind of came up by necessity. Each year over the last, I would say, five or six years in particular, every year we analyze the work we did and see if there's things we need to do more of or do less of. And I noticed that a staggering amount of my revenue was projects that were completed within, say, three or four months that were being redone, or you know, basically litigation issues, and we needed to price it, you know, so they could go after the previous contractor. And that was a steady trend. You were kind of coming to the rescue then of some of these jobs. 
Pretty much. Yeah. It was, it. it was, it was, yeah, exactly. It was a situation where year over year, the line kept trending upwards. It was like, you know, 15% of revenue, then 26% and 34%. So, I mean, it was one out of three projects we're going to, we're either ripping mm-hmm. out something less than three months old or wow. we're, you know, helping navigate some legal issue. And it was a situation where to explain the process, it took me so long. I'm like, I got to write a book. I need to put this in, in writing and just hand it to, you know, these clients so they have all the resources and, Right, And then I would have to help them without the contractor who who did the work kind of defacing my brand. So the undercover contractor came up because my deal was, look, I'll help you, but I don't want anything public about you know what I'm doing. I need to be behind the scenes. And that's oh, really wow. how it kicked off. Yeah. So you would go in and basically correct whatever the problem was, but you were just like, we have just to keep this on the DL. like Because um, obviously you don't want to be involved in any litigation or something, but you would come in and like, let's say something wasn't done to code, right? You'd correct it or something just wasn't done to the client's specifications, let's say. You would correct it to get it right, I'm assuming. Yeah. And, and we would even help them, you know, if a contractor, you know, if he was about here, she was about to finish the job, we'd help them navigate that and say, hey, put this in an email and send this or take a photo of this. And, you know, it wasn't always just us physically doing the work. Sometimes it was trying to salvage the relationship or to give the homeowner leverage, you know, put this information on an email oh. and send it to them. And, and I would even draft some of the emails. Like I would be like, here, just click send on this, you know, copy, paste and send. And then they would respond, you know, an hour later, they're like, I haven't heard from them in three weeks. And they answered within 20 minutes. And I'm like, well, yeah, because so you were really a guide because you knew how to communicate with these people. And wow, that's really quite incredible. I like that. Yeah. What an amazing service. So then... Let's discuss then the confident homeowner system that you also have, what that provides the homeowner and how this works in these two, I guess, are tied together. Yeah. So the confident homeowner system was a when I took the problem serious, I was like, okay, number two on the consumer complaints is home improvement scams, second to the automotive scams. So I'm like, Mm. okay, this is a big deal. And then if you look at spending and you track the money, it's like the average, the second largest purchase the average American makes is the maintenance of the home over the next 20 or 30 years. So it's purchase first maintenance second. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. number two consumer complaints, second biggest spend. And it's just such a big gap. And I went away to try and compile just... I mean, I started in the field when I was nine years old with my dad and the family business. And I started just to compile, okay, you know, been on over 4,000 one-on-one personal appointments with clients, been in this industry, you know, met hundreds of contractors. And so I tried mm-hmm. to figure out, well, what went wrong? You know, what happened, you know, in the 20-year span where did things shift? And that's where the system came about because I wanted to give clients and homeowners a roadmap. And we break it out into four parts. You got to find the contractors, find us putting them on a list, vetting them, crossing mm-hmm. them off, hiring mm-hmm. them, signing the agreement, and finalizing those details and managing mm-hmm. them is broken down into, well, what do I do if they don't show up or they have change orders or whatnot? So it's a very linear system. That's really cool. So having said that, let's talk about and give some advice to the audience on how they go about selecting the right contractor for them, what to look out for, how to avoid scams. But yeah, just in general too, even if you know someone's legit, how do you know that they're a good fit for you, right? So let's talk about all of that because I think that it can be really overwhelming for the homeowner. It's a big investment, like you mentioned. People, as you know, have lost a lot of money doing things like this if they get the wrong person. So yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I have a quote in the book and it says, if, if a contractor is not on your fine list, they'll never be on your hire list. So it, mm-hmm. it starts with you know who you're building out 
on your list. One of the things I found in, in, in really analyzing this was a discrepancy in two areas. Number one is the type of work and defining it. So mm-hmm. we had a lot of homeowners where they'd say, oh, I want to repair, but they really want a restoration because it's historic mm-hmm. and they want to restore it. Or, you know, they want a remodel, but they're calling it, you know, a repair. They're like, I want to, you know, or or renovate. So it's the discrepancy between some of the defining language. So we really emphasize taking time to go online or talk to contractors that you may already know or anybody that's trusted within the space to just define your service. So that's the first thing is a clear identification of what you're looking to have done. Because if you're looking for restoration and you're calling it repair, you'll never find the right contractor. I don't care who you call because the search, you know, the search terms are off. So that was the communication of what you need is important. Exactly. Yeah. That had to be clearly defined. The second is, and this is a little tricky, but navigating different tiers of companies, like any other marketplace, like buying a car, there are low, medium and high end contractors. And so Mm -hmm. we try and give a little insight because I find that that's often a mismatch, especially here in Los Angeles, where you know you'll find a contractor who, whose model is kind of get in, get out, low. I would consider it lower skilled work, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. It's just a business model. Yeah, but there's a mismatch between that and high end, high quality. And so I've always been a big proponent of, and I tell contractors this. I'm like, you need to be really honest when you're suited for a job or not. You know, because it's tempting when the high end homeowner is emphasizing quality and they get this really low price because this person's model is get in, get out, get it done. Right. You know, forgive me some of the details. Yeah, it's got to be a match. I mean, you and I have even spoke about this. I see it all the time, even on Facebook, whatever. And they're like, well, I'm, you know, remodeling this. I'm just going to use my handyman or my carpenter's going to GC the job. And, there's dangers when you do that because you think you're saving money in the short run, but you have to have somebody well-matched to, like you described in the beginning with communicating what the real need is because, well, our permit's going to have to be drawn by the town. And believe me, I've been through that. You don't want to skip that. Or when you go to sell your house, you have a real problem. You know, Are things going to be due to you know up to code? I have a lot of people who are like, well, we need to remove a load-bearing wall. I'm like, well, you can't just do that with any carpenter. Like an engineer has to be present to confirm that that can actually be done, you know, or your house is going to come down. So it's like sometimes too, the homeowner in, I think, hastiness, or I don't really know what it is, but I guess in this feeling like to save money in the long run, it costs you a lot of time money and a lot of grief if you don't match it up, right? A hundred percent. It's tough too, because I I get the homeowner's perspective. A contractor says, I mean, I can't tell you a specific example. I can't tell you the number of times we've bid retaining walls here in Los Angeles and I'll tell the client, you know, you need a permit. And they're like, well, I had five other people come out and say, I don't need a permit. And I'm like, oh, this is, you know, so we literally have to print out, I have a printout of the codes and I literally will show them. I'm like, here's the height requirements. Here's the slope. This is what it says. But it's yeah. it's difficult because, you know, I mean, it's convenient to want to accept something that number one, a contractor is telling you, but number two is sometimes $10,000, $20,000 less than what, you know, we're saying. I know. Do you know, why do you think there is such a discrepancy in the marketplace or in your industry where, like you just said, three people could say you don't need the permit and, and they're knowledgeable people, most likely, I don't know. But then in fact, you do need the permit and it's the one person telling you, I don't know, there's just maybe just lack of standards in the industry or something. I don't know. It's a lot of things. I think part of it is is education, uh-huh. You know, really knowing and understanding it. I mean, we've obviously, we've been doing this four generations, 102 years. 
and I'm always studying, you know, new codes and new developments um, in, mm-hmm. the, in the building industry. But I think it's that. And I also think that building and safety, you know, building departments as a whole don't make it easy to pull permits. So on a lot no, of smaller projects, yeah, exactly. So on a lot of smaller projects, contractors, you know, it's like, if the job's 10 grand, it's like, all right, I got to go to building and safety. I got to submit, you know, either plans or, or, or get an over the counter permit. And I got all this back and forth. Sometimes it's just easier to say, you know what, basically persuade the homeowner to say, Hey, you know, do you really need to pull a permit or, or even worse yet say you don't need one at all. Yeah. And I had someone do that to me on one of my first homes and it was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. And then they put something in that wasn't to codes. So I learned the lesson the hard way. Yeah. I mean, it can be a real, and then we had to, you know, we were selling the house and that was a real problem. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. not it's not something to skip. And what I'll tell homeowners too, I think people feel like, oh, I don't want to pull the permit and they think there's a financial thing. I'll just tell you, monetarily, it's one of your smallest expenses in a renovation. It's yes. not the money. No. It's the time. But if you have a GC that works, I find if you have a GC in the area that is familiar with the town, they're there frequently, that's super helpful. And so it takes those guys less time than the guys who don't really do it. And it's a time thing. And it is a step. All I can tell you is you do not want to skip. And when we went to buy the house we're in, they had done something that they needed a permit for and they didn't get it. And so it was delaying us buying this house. So they had to scramble last minute and get all the documentation and all that and get the permit, get it all like approved and everything. Cause you legally can't sell the house without it. So I will just tell people right ahead, don't skip it. Monetarily, it's your least expense. It's not a money thing, but it's a time thing. And it's definitely something too, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But like, if you don't have a GC and you're GCing a project on your own, you also don't want to skip that. So if you're the one that has to go to town hall, like know that in advance, know that it's going to be quite a bit of time. And as a homeowner, I think these town halls treat homeowners a bit differently. I think that if you have a seasoned contractor, they're going to work much more efficiently and quickly with you. I had that experience myself. So because certain towns can be more difficult than others. I'm sure you've had that too. There's a lot of red tape. So someone who's seasoned in the field, I find can really reduce the stress there. Yeah, because they have the relationships. They have the relationships to move things forward. And I mean, it's one, typically, if you have a strong enough relationship, it's one visit and you can handle three, four or five different permit related questions or kind of steps within the process. So it's, again, it's finding that contractor that has this process already built in within their company, because it's not something you can dabble in. And that's really what no. we see in the marketplace. Like you, you, you don't- Exactly. You you don't find contractors that are like, oh, well, I'll pull a permit on this one project, but 90% of my work, I don't pull them. The building department doesn't know them and they don't have the processes. They don't know what the building safety department's looking for. It's an absolute nightmare when you go that route. Yeah, it really is. So going back to you know finding the contractor that's right for you, number one is communicating and make sure everybody is on the same page with their definitions of a remodel versus a you know, update versus a uh, full construction versus whatever. And then maybe asking the contractor, do you typically pull permits? How familiar are you with codes in my area? Cause they do vary per area. And then what's like maybe another thing to talk to a contractor about to see if they're a good fit for you. Well, you know, you touched on the, and that'd be in the vetting phase is understanding the permitting, the process. We talk about, you know, asking where the project might grow in scope. So are there any mm-hmm. potential areas that you see where 
this scope might, you know, get bigger. So typically in bathrooms, when you're tearing out walls, you might find mold. You want to find a contract yeah. that says, well, look, you know, I don't know if there's mold there. There is that chance. And, you know, here's what I think. Every bathroom yep. is different. So scope growing is, is one thing. Another big one is them self-performing the work or their relationship with their subcontractors and what that mm-hmm. looks like. That's you know, important. Understanding, yeah, understanding where they're located. I can't tell you the amount mm-hmm. of times when things end up in litigation, they've got this company with a contractor came out with a beautiful shirt and a nice truck and he lives in a one bedroom apartment with no assets. And you know they're, they're fighting over yeah. $200,000 and yeah. their legal team is like, we're not going to recover any of this. Like this is his office. And they're going, what do you mean? He said he had this huge office and all these trucks. And they're going, nope, this is his address. We looked it up and this is what he has. He's got one truck. Oh, that's important too. And then how about just getting references and confirming that they're licensed and insured? Of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we dive Mm -hmm. even further into that. So, you know, you can have workers comp, but you can be workers comp exempt, meaning that you just have it for the coverage of the owner. So, Mm -hmm. you know, looking at, do they genuinely carry it for subcontractors? Another cool thing is if they do any commercial work, typically they hold higher insurance limits. So you find mm-hmm. some residential contractors will dabble a little bit in the commercial space because they have clients that own businesses. So that, that's a good indicator that their insurances are higher. Like we do that. Mm-hmm. Our automotive's higher, our liability's higher, our comp's higher. Yeah. I mean, there's there's tons. The about story actually is a pretty interesting one too. Understanding, looking for photos on the website where it's like our team and they have pictures mm-hmm. and then understanding the, the backstory on the company. Where did they start? You know, how did they get into this? I think is it gives a lot of insight into you know what you might be seeing or experiencing. Okay, great. And then you do mention scams a bit. What do you mean by that? Just meaning that if somebody either takes your money and doesn't show up or takes your money and shows up but maybe doesn't do the job to par, just tell the audience a little bit about scams and what ones are out there and what to look out for. And then we're gonna move on to talking about some other things. Yeah, scams. I mean, we, we've documented tons of different cases. Material swaps is one. So, you know, saying oh. that you're going to get this, but installing something else. We find that all the time. The scope of work that's not completed. So, things that are in the contract that aren't actually being done, you know, taking money, change orders that aren't real or aren't substantiated. So, you know, mm-hmm. overcompensating on change orders. We just did a, an example of a client who had all this wood rot. And we were doing some exterior work and she said, you know, wow, I don't know if I can afford to do the rest of this because I just spent all this money on this wood rot. And she showed me the change order. We went in there and inspected it. They had done about 10% of what they quoted her for. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that more and more of this stuff is happening during COVID where there is such pressure for supply and demand? There's labor shortages in your industry, things like that. Are you finding more of this now or this is kind of something that's always been around? I think it's it's linear. It's growing year over year. I think COVID mm-hmm. certainly put some some added pressure building and you know pulling building permits got a lot slower during COVID and backed up a lot of contractors. That was big and obviously supply issues. You spec out one material and you can't get it, and there's a close second. I mean, do you tell the client you saved money on it? Yeah, it's an ethical question. Yeah, no, I was just hearing some stuff around here even that like. People will call me, they're like, well, they came and started the job and then they haven't been back for three or four months. And me and the contractor that I work with on renovations, we're looking at each other. We're like, how do you even, like, we don't even know anyone that would allow us to do that. <laughs> like once we take someone's deposit and sign the paperwork, like we're there. I mean, unless something unusual has happened with the material, but we're upfront about it and be like, this material's delayed and we can't come back for two weeks or something. But we don't just like ghost a client <laughs> with like, you know, a bathroom that's been demoed. I mean, I was hearing stuff like what is going on and how are people even getting away with that? It's crazy to me. 
just unprofessional. So I guess it's like anything else when you're hiring somebody, you want somebody who's professional, right? And who cares, you know? Let's talk about having, for the homeowner too, it's not just the contractor, but maybe having a whole team in place when doing a renovation, meaning maybe you need an architect, an engineer, an interior designer, and the benefit of each role. And I think I shared a story with you recently where I got a phone call from somebody doing a renovation and they were interviewing a few contractors and every contractor asked them, will you be using an interior designer? And she said, why? First of all, one, why? would I use one? What did they bring to the table, so to speak? And why are all the contractors asking, right? And I said to you, because we make it easier. We do. We make their lives easier and vice versa. And that's why I do call it a team because the architect has a role, an engineer has its role, the GC has a role, an interior designer has a role. So depending on what your project is and the scale of it, you may need multiple people with different expertise levels. Yeah, And that's really something to consider, right? So let's talk a little bit about that and how you feel about having, you know, a team in place for a project. Simply put, I always recommend having and building out a team. I mean, starting with the general contractor to pull the permits. And if those permits require drawings, typically they break out into structural, which is engineering and then architectural. And then all the design elements, we stress that in in all the projects we do. We usually get the call direct and we refer up, meaning we're like, they call us because they want to do a backyard. And I'm like, let's start with the landscape designer, get a clear concept that we can give you a firm price based on. But it's it saves in so many different ways. And it, and it really comes down to specialization. It's like every yeah. person owns a special lane and their entire business is built around that lane. And there are some companies that claim, you know, for example, they, they're design build, right? They're, they're a landscape designer and they also have an installation team. What I yeah. found is that, they're usually stronger on one side or the other. Yeah. It's not always split. But the team, it's one of those things where I, I think it's, its as you mentioned, can underestimated how valuable yeah. it is because when things don't go right, it's almost like a conveyor belt. If you imagine building a car on a conveyor belt, it's like, well, if the doors are delayed, then everything on that car is delayed and messed up. And then everyone's yep. kind of scrambling and they're, you know, yeah. things are missed in the plans. And so it's having the right team, number one. And then number two is having a team that in a perfect world, and I think we talked about this, but has worked with one another and just knows the playbook. It's almost like a sports right. team. You know, everybody knows their position and they just know how to communicate with one another and it just yep. everything rolls smoothly. Yeah, it can be really valuable. I mean, I think you mentioned to me when we were talking, we were talking about to some people who are like, well, I'm just going to GC the job myself. I'm going to hire, right? I'm going to get the plumber because again, they think they're saving money. And I think you said to me, I don't know if it was nine out of 10 people that did that came to you and said they would never do that again. Was it you who said that to me? Yeah, Yeah. it was probably, I mean, over nine out of 10, not quite 10 out of 10, but it was, yeah, a staggering number of people. I've never, I don't think I've ever had a client that after that experience has been like, you know what? I would gladly do that again. I mean, they're all kind of like, wow, you were right. This was a lot of work. And, you know, I missed a lot of days from work and I had to be here and, you know, early mornings, late nights and run around. And it's like, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's why the general contractor you know, is involved and makes, makes a percentage or, or, you know, a part of the job. Well, and there's last minute questions that have to be Mm -hmm. answered. There's all kinds of stuff. Another example is I was working on a bathroom renovation with my contractor and builder and the couple wanted to hire us as a team because they both work full-time crazy schedules. And they're like, we know that you will just like take care of it for us. And it was a real benefit to them because we, of course, we do a couple of things, but we select the materials in advance of demoing. So we know that everything is either 
on site or on its way for the most part before we demo because we don't want to leave the client inconvenience for too long with a demolition space. So we do that. And so when we spec out products, especially now during COVID and materials, I really have contacts with, you know, my various manufacturers to say, okay, what is actually in stock, right? So we picked out a floor tile that was guaranteed in stock and all the tile ships and then the floor tile didn't ship. And I'm like, where's the floor tile? It was guaranteed in stock. They're like, well, there's going to be a couple weeks delay on it. There was some damage to once it was received in. Well, the two weeks was turning into months and months and months and I could see the writing on the wall. So I was like, it's going to hold up the whole project because if we can't put in the floor, we can't do anything else almost. You know what I mean? So it was really holding up the project. So I was able to, with my resources, take the time to source out another tile that was equally as good for them in their price range. Now, that might not sound like a big deal, except they don't have my quote Rolodex, so to speak. So they wouldn't have known who to call if they were doing this on their own. I spent, even on my end, because of COVID, things are taking a lot longer. I spent a lot more time than I normally would have had to to find an in-stock item because of the supply chain right now. And so if they were left on their own to handle that, they would have been scouring. They wouldn't know what resource to go to, try to find something in stock. And it could have, I always say time is money. The time alone on it, let alone finding the solution might not have been there. So that's just one small example of like the value of having a team member I think can bring, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, we have resources. We have, you know, I know who to call type of thing and let's just get it handled and do the project management. So yeah, I do think for the audience listening to this, you know, number one, if you're going to GC a project on your own, especially during COVID, make sure that you are, you know, you're patient enough (laughs) as a person and can really handle a lot of balls in the air and that you have the time because a lot's going on. If you decide you're going to get a contractor, listen to what Matt said about finding the right one, making sure that you have all the communication. And then from there, depending on the scale of your project and what you need, think about having an actual team. So I'll just kind of wrap that segment by saying that. I just want to kind of put it all together for everybody, Matt. My accessory course has finally launched. It is here. So to grab it, you can go to my website and click on course. Or if you go to my Instagram page, click the link in bio. That's right. I'm bringing it to you because over the last several years, it has been one of the top requested things that I get asked. And it just so happens it's what I'm really passionate about and what I've always loved to do. I always felt like your home wasn't fully dressed until I brought in that last layer and I loved doing it. And I love styling for my photo shoots. And most of the time I bring in all the accessories and get everything styled for a photo shoot. Guess what? The client wants to keep it all. Well, I'm going to show you my secrets, my tips, my tricks. It's going to be in a really simple video course broken up into modules that are going to be easy for you to get resources, solutions, and really quick wins at an affordable price, all with direction from me. So you can have your home looking like those sitting in a magazine or how I set them up for photo shoots really easily. I'm super excited. So if you're scratching your head about what to put on your coffee table, what to put on your mantle, how to arrange it, what to put in your bookcases, You're going to want to go click that link in bio and get this course at a very affordable price. I hope to see you there. Now we're going to get into, as I mentioned, this is a very trying time to do these projects, even for professionals. 
So like I just mentioned, things are taking me much longer on jobs like this or a bit longer because things are cropping up like this tile that was guaranteed and then it wasn't and we kind of had to shift. So you and I talked about this and basically it's become an expensive time to renovate due to supply chain, material costs, supply demand. But you also mentioned too, contractor labor and keeping a team intact as well as poaching that goes on in your industry. We've kind of, we're going to call it the COVID effect and what we've learned from it. So let's kind of touch upon all that to give people like some insight into that inner working from your end and what's happening as far as time and pricing increasing and things like that. Yeah. I mean, COVID kind of, the, the best way to put it is it just shuffled the deck. I mean, almost overnight, there was pressure in terms of price because of materials. There was labor pressure. I mean, you know, people on our team are getting calls to go work for other companies. And so we always try and do that anyway. But I mean, you have to maintain a great culture, great pay. You know, nobody wants to sit home for even a few days. So as a, you know, as a contractor employing a team, you can't make mistakes because they're getting calls every other day or, you know, once or twice a week. And if they sit home, you know, somebody else is going to grab them. So there was all this pressure kind of that just crept up at once. Building and safety and pulling permits was just boiled to a screeching halt because they had to create digital strategies. I mean, it was typically you could go in, roll out a set of plans and say, this is what I'm doing. This is, you know, this is what I want to achieve. Mm-hmm. So it created so many different pressures. And you mentioned it earlier, but, and, and this is a huge hidden benefit is just leveraging the network. I mean, we have a lot of buying power. So I, I'm able to do things with the buying power that I have that, you know, if, if a homeowner called up and said, Hey, I want this material, forget it. Right. But we spend hundreds of thousands of dollars with certain vendors, you know, where we're able to say, Hey, can you go out and get this? Or can you ship this in at cost and, and get this here? Same thing with building and safety and some of the relationships there. Same thing with other contractors. So it, it was, it created a lot of pressure and it just, mm-hmm. it was the saving grace for us was the relationships, the buying power, you know, the good culture that we have. But for a lot of companies, uh, especially as a homeowner, it made it extremely difficult to much harder to find the right contractor. Yeah. See, and what you just said there, the relationships and all that that you've built, that is a huge value. And so again, it's a trying time. And so if you're going at this on your own and say, I'm going to save money, I'm just going to GC this. You really need to know what you're getting into because there's so many facets of these projects, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we just had a client who wanted to basically be their own designer for a big backyard yeah. renovation. And I said, no problem. I went over this this feel of why I didn't you know think it was the best idea. I said, on one condition, there's an hourly rate that I'm going to charge for my crew for every hour they stand around waiting for a decision to be made when they can't work. And wow, she was like, that's, that's a fine. smart thing to do. Well, I just said it, you know, because she didn't believe that we were going to be standing around. And I said, look, we, you know, if we get to a situation where we find something and we have, you know, there's nothing else to work on or we, or this is a kind of a primary part of the project, we need an answer quickly, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes, an hour. Like we need to know right away so we can keep, you know, we have a schedule that we commit to. And in order to do that, this is what we need. And I mean, it was like midway through the project. She's like, can we just hire a designer? You know, because we found things weren't square. So we're like, okay, do you want to pull lines off the house or do you want to pull lines off the side walkway here? Here's why it won't be. She's like, all right, hold on. I'm in a meeting. Let let me go inside. So she runs inside and I'm like, okay, great. And my foreman calls me. He's like, what do I do? I'm like, just track the time. So we come out and, you know, materials didn't match up, which I had cautioned existing to where we're extending. And I mean, it just kept going with, with all these different things. The gas line wasn't where it was supposed to be located. So we're calling her up and saying, Hey, do we get a plumber? Do you want us to dig? How do you want to handle this? 
And she's like, oh, I, got, I got a Zoom call. I'll be right back. And you know, we ended up not charging her. And you know, the rate thing was more just to kind of prove a point, but it made the project really, really difficult for us and I think for her. And we tried to emphasize as much as we could. Trust me, you're going to be happy when you hire the right design team and we've got a clear plan and vision and everyone's on board with all the materials before we start. And it's just, yeah, to your point, I can't emphasize it enough. H- having that clarity in that team is huge. That Yeah, that is such an amazing point because you know, as much planning as we all do ahead. And I, and I do a lot, I get a lot of things in place. Things happen, things crop up on a job stuff, you know, you might not expect came up behind a wall, whatever things happen. And like you said, there's a lot of jobs where there's questions that come up and you need an answer within a relatively short amount of time. And the thing about it is as a designer on the job, you know, the builder can call me and be like, here's what came up. What do we do? And so I can develop that answer a lot quicker based on my experience. But not only do I do that, I take it a step further and I take, okay, well, here's the problem. Here's solution number one and two that I'm going to present to the client. So by the time it gets to the client, I've then said, okay, here's what's come up. Here's what I think we should do. We could do option one as a solution or option two, rather than just putting it in their lap and be like, we have a problem. I like to go, we have a problem. And we could do A or we could do B. What do you right. think? Yeah. Right? So uh, it's it's just a matter of just having done this for a while, right? And also just having an approach of, okay, well, what are the solutions? But like you said, if it's just the homeowner and they're scrambling trying to work from home on Zoom calls or they've got their kids running around or they need to bounce it off their husband and he's on a trip and it's like, it's very hard and they might make a hasty decision that in the end isn't right for them. So that's a very critical point. And that really goes back to having a team as well. So, Yeah. We actually had a client, you made me think of this when you had said that. We had a client who insisted on buying their own material. So I said, okay. And I went over kind of how we purchase and the fact that I always like to overbuy because the delay on the job and the you know us picking it up is a big expense. And they said, you know, we went over, I was like, what waste factor do you want to carry? She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I mean, what overage do you like? I mean, here's the square footage you decide. I was like, but if we run out, you have to go and grab it. And my team's going to have to pull off the job and then come back. And I mean, just another example of where, you know, they tried to save just a small, small amount and what I thought was negligible. And then, you know, they wanted to extend one of these areas just a few feet. And I said, well, we don't have enough material. And she's like, well, I can get it on Saturday. And this was Wednesday. I'm like, okay, so my crew's going to pull off. I was like, we'll be back probably next Thursday or Friday because we can't Mm -hmm. just pull on and off like this in and out, in and out, in and out. And she's like, well, I, I have a barbecue plan. She's like, we need to get this done. I'm like, well, that's why we like to buy the material and always have extra. And we just use it on another job. And we don't have to worry about, you know, you picking it up in your small truck because we have big trucks. And so there's all these little things that, you know, a contractor and a team brings to the table that you don't really notice until you're feeling the, the negative effect of it not being there. Yeah. I mean, the best thing I can impart is there are literally a million little things that will crop up. and so as a homeowner, you have to be ready to handle all of that and have the time and like the clarity to give some solid answers. You know, otherwise you need to really think about, I always say like when you hire people to do things for you professionally, whether it's in the home or anything else, right? It's kind of like an insurance policy in that you're saying, I'm going to have somebody at my side on my team with me who knows what they're doing because long-term that's really how you save money. And that's for any type of profession where, you know, you're not the expert in. So if I'm not the expert at something, 
I'm going to hire somebody. Like I didn't write my own legal contract for my clients. I hired an attorney. I spent the money and hired the attorney, you know? So it's just having a professional at your side. I think with things that are a big investment, like why wouldn't you, you know what I mean? No, absolutely. So yeah. So let's get into, you also said something that really resonated with me and it's something oftentimes new homeowners don't take into account expense-wise and time-wise, but you know, maintaining your home, I think you said, is like one of the most important things you can do for your home, right? It needs continual maintenance, continual maintenance, upkeep, so that things don't get to a point where they need like a very expensive repair. So let's talk about some maintenance tips you have for the home and just talk about taking into account maintaining your home in in general as far as your overall annual budget. Because I think with my clients, especially moving from major cities to a suburb, you're going from an apartment where everything was sort of handled for you to now it's your own house. And whether it's the roof, the chimney, the gutters, the sewer, whatever, things can come up. And if you don't maintain them, it can be expensive. Well, here's here's the thing. I'm going to pull back the curtain. There's no money in very little money in, in maintenance for contractors. And so mm-hmm. it's it's an issue in the space for homeowners because you know, when I think of all the things that we could do maintenance-wise relative to the cost of if you let it go, for example, a small crack in concrete, usually you can address it and even address the root cause and maybe prevent it from cracking further, but if that let's say it's a tree root continues to grow over the next 2 or 3 years, now you're replacing huge sections and things don't match. So the first thing I think every homeowner should know is that a lot of contractors don't necessarily preach the maintenance because there's so much more money to be made when things don't work or they fail. So that's the first piece is that, you know, typically there's not a huge, like, I, I don't know a lot of homeowners where there should be more where contractors finish work and they're like, here's how you properly maintain this. You know, mm-hmm. here's how you can keep up with this. So it's really on the homeowner to take responsibility for that. What I found the easiest way to do this is, is to hire a very good home inspection company that does annual inspections. They're not very expensive. They're usually very thorough. And the benefit there is that they get to know your home and they're going to mm-hmm. help highlight and point the areas where you need to keep up with maintenance to prevent those big costs. But, okay. Yeah. But I mean, there's even just everyday maintenance, like making sure that you have your oil burner tuned up in the spring. You do the reverse. Well, in the Northeast, you tune it up in the spring so it's ready for winter. You have your AC units tuned up and filters changed. You have your chimney checked, right? You have gutters cleaned out. That's a big thing because if you don't have proper drainage on your property, that can cause issues, right? Keeping up with stonework, things like... So even things the homeowner can take on, but I think that they need to look for them and take the time and the budget to take care of them, you know what I'm saying, rather than let things go. The house might need a humidifier system because there's a lot of mildew. You know, I mean, there's a million and one things with a house that can happen. But I do think you bring up a good point that, you know, the your industry isn't there for the maintenance part. They're there for like when something falls apart. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so as a homeowner, you want to try to maintain things as best you can, in my opinion, to keep things, you know, from not becoming something that's huge. You know, like where we live, we have septic systems. And it was really new to me because where I used to live, it was everything was sewer. But with a septic, you have to pump that and clean it out once every two years. We have a busy family household. So I did mine once a year because if something goes wrong with the septic and you have to replace the whole thing, it's tens of thousands of dollars. So in my eyes, I was like, I'd rather pay the few hundred dollars annually and make sure like everything is good with it, have it inspected, have it cleaned out once a year 
rather than waiting. But I know people that own homes that are on septic and wait and just they're like, oh, I've lived here five or six years. I've never had it done. And it's like, no, you have to. So even things like that. Yeah. And the reason I think the home inspection is valuable is because they, as a third party, being non-biased, will tell you the priority of these elements because sometimes it's tricky in the maintenance space to leave that up to the contractor. So they'll tell you, hey, you know, for example, on your chimney, we just recommend a, a chimney sweep, right? Clean it out. But you call somebody out and they're like, oh no, we want to do a camera inspection and we want to make sure that everything's good. And so what's nice about the home inspections that I think are a little bit under underutilized and underrated is that they've got a fiduciary responsibility of being very transparent. They don't install the work. They don't do the work. They just say, hey, these are the elements that I would keep an eye out on. And a lot of the companies do annual maintenance inspections. So it's kind of like when you get the oil change in your car, they'll prioritize it for you and they'll help specify what type of maintenance you need because that's the other part that gets a little scary is when someone goes in to do the maintenance and I see it all the time with chimneys, you gave that example, where they get these you know very in-depth camera inspections when really they just needed the chimney cleaned out. Yeah, and, and that's a great point. And I think that's a great tip to give homeowners is to do an annual inspection, you know? I love that. All right. So as we're wrapping up here a little, you've given us a lot of great information. What is one of your biggest tips you can give to the homeowners listening or any other light you want to shed on anything that they might not know about that could assist them? The biggest takeaway I would say is that every time that I've ever dealt with a, a home improvement situation that has gone sour, you know, we came in on the back end of that, the homeowner trusted the contractor at one point. Every mm. single time. There was never yeah. a time where a homeowner wasn't like, well, I never trusted him to begin with. Ever. So I think <laughs> ever. I mean, it was like every time that, that, you know, there was an element of trust always. So I think relying on certain objective processes when you're finding a contractor, vetting them, hiring them, and managing them is really helpful because I've, I just hear it all the time. It's like, and, and there's a level of disappointment even because it's like, well, I really trusted him. I believed him. And, and so... I think that's the biggest takeaway I could give anybody is that the modern day scams, the modern day home improvement mishaps are not the kind of obvious contractor that's like, you look at them and go, you're scamming me right now. It's the very, you just, you have no idea. Your guard is completely down. So I'd I'd emphasize the processes to really make sure that you're sure use your gut. That's fine. But it's not always right in this industry, in my experience. Yeah, no, that's great. So. Let's close the show with uh, letting the audience know best places to find you, whether it's social media, website, any platforms. I'll have you mention those here and then we will put links to all those in the show notes for you. Yeah. At the undercover contractor on all the social stuff, website, theundercovercontractor.com has everything on it. Perfect. Matt, I really appreciate your time today. I think this will be very helpful for people. There's a lot of renovations happening right now, as you know, and some people are trying it on their own. Some people are, you know, dealing with contractors who haven't really, you know, met up to their standards or contracts and having someone to come bail them out like you. And some are doing it, you know, just fine with a team of people too. So it runs the gamut. And I think this has just been really helpful because I think there's just not very much known about it. And people go into it, like you just said, trusting, but maybe a little bit blind on some things and have some blind spots. So hopefully this kind of puts some light on the blind spots for everybody. I hope so. I'm very passionate about the subject. So thank you for having me. Yeah, no, you're very knowledgeable too. So thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. And I hope we connect again soon. Thank you for having me, Joe. You're welcome. 
Okay, take care. Bye-bye. And as always, you're going to want to always head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com. I've got a wonderful new freebie for you called the Room Planner. And most of the time that you're not getting your house decorated, it's because you don't have a plan in place. This helps you cover it all and get it in motion so you can accomplish your home design goals. Go grab it now. It's totally free. And my course is also still available on the website along with so much more. I look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.